Are you all ready to join me today in our trip to outer space? Come along quietly or not. I will talk to you of art. For there is nothing else. Some artists make a Folks, welcome to another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. I am, and always will be, Albert Shivers, and it's a big episode today. Finally, the long-awaited return of Luke and Andrew. They are back on the show. These two guys put Siskel and Ebert to shame. Today, with our the movie topic we chose was biopics, movies about true things. The three of us get into... All different aspects of biographical movies and we really sink our teeth into what is artistic license and what isn't when it comes to making a movie that is biographical about a musician about a real-life athlete or a political event we cover a lot a lot of stuff before I get to Luke and Andrew though I want to give you guys a couple of updates first of all Finally, after all the advice and all the nudging, I am building my own website. This will be uh, all in one stop for everything I'm up to. All my art stuff will be there and all my podcast stuff will be there. Movies will be there as well as updates as what's going on. If I'm having new shows or new screenings, all the information will be in one place and it'll direct you to everywhere else you need to go. To find what you're looking for. My estimated time to have this done. I'm hoping that this website's up and running. By the beginning of next week. I'm having some serious help on it. From a young lady named Selena. Who's doing great. And so far we're kicking some serious ass on it. And the website should be done. By next week. Secondly. I still have art up at the Create and Be Art Studio. In Strasbourg, PA. This month they did their mental health awareness show and I was excited to be a part of that. I'm going to be posting pictures of my art from the show very soon. And thirdly, I'm beginning to do live streaming of art. So basically, I have no set schedule for this. It's really when the mood strikes me and the breeze takes me away. I'm going to jump on live streams either on Facebook or on Instagram. It could be one or the other. I've tried both. I did a little bit the other day. And it will simply be me working on whatever piece of art I'm working on if you have any interest. Along with some of the weirdest and most entertaining music I could find to play in the background. Now, because of the way things are, you're going to want to catch these live streams when they're live. Because... Once they get re-uploaded, Facebook and Instagram get their panties in a bunch and start muting everything in the background. So if you want to hear the crazy music, you got to tune in while it's live. I'll be working on whatever art I happen to be doing at the moment. So if you see me going, give me a hello, see what's going on. Like I said, there's no set time. I'm just going to randomly appear on your social media platform with my markers out. Right now, I'm working on a surreal portrait of a very good friend of mine, Kim, who, by the way, 
also went to school with not only me, but also Luke and Andrew. So how's that for some synchro goddamnicity right there? So far the portrait's coming out good. You'll be able to see the finished product on my Instagram, at Albert Shivers. Now the last thing I wanted to share with you all before we get to the show is a little bit more on um, just the informative side of things. If you haven't seen me lately, if I haven't been around, if you haven't seen me out, or even if you haven't heard from me lately, I want to tell you why. You see, I've discovered this great new hangout. This place is right here in the town I live in. I love being there. This joint plays the best music, always music I'm in the mood for. It has some of the greatest personalities all the celebrities there, beautiful women, the place has great food, just what I'm always in the mood for. And better than all that, it's open 24 hours a day. I gotta be honest with you folks, I feel like Gatsby when I'm here. Okay, it's this is it's the best place. And I'm gonna tell you, I shouldn't, it's just between you and I though. But the name of this club that I've been hanging out and spending so much time in is called in my own head. It's a great place. Really, for me, it's the place to be. In my own head. That's where I've been at. That's why you haven't seen me. Most important thing is I'm enjoying the hell out of myself. With all that said, you could find more of what I'm up to on Instagram at Albert Shivers or over on Facebook, simply Albert Shivers. Friend me, say hello. Talk to a live and breathing artist. I hope you enjoy my conversation with my friends Luke and Andrew. I really enjoyed. We recorded this podcast a while back. And it really was a pleasure to go back through editing and, and listening to it. With all that said, here is Luke and Andrew. Enjoy and I'll talk to you on the other side of the conversation after this message. Is Elvis alive? Hear what could be the incredible Elvis phone call. Listen to the newest and longest recording ever, just released from the original taped conversation purportedly of Elvis recorded about four years after the 16th of August, 1977. Call 1-900-909-ELVIS. Call now. Experience what may be the most shocking story of our time. I'm Tony Bagger, the Dexter Comedy. Biographical movies. Movies about real people, whether they're good or not. We're going to cover it from the good and, and the bad. So um, we bantered a little bit before we started to record. Um, so Luke, why don't you start us off? Let's, um, let's get into it. Okay. Uh, one of the most uh, recent examples. Uh, biopic movies, which is undoubtedly stirring a lot of controversy online, is the new movie Mank with Gary Oldman, which mm -hmm. is about the uh, screenwriter who shared credit with Orson Welles on the creation of Citizen Kane. Um, I, I'm not going to elaborate on, on this movie too much because there are countless video essays that have already touched on it, but you know that movie is a perfect example of how Hollywood you know, can glorify, you know, a certain side of the story or a myth of a mythical side of a story with, as opposed to actually be
being true to what really happened. Uh, because the movie makes it look like Mank really, you know, Gary Oldman's character really wrote uh, Citizen Kane, you know, almost down to the, you know, the letter, and that Orson Welles had nothing to do with had very little to do other than yelling at him at it over about it over the phone. Mm-hmm. Whereas in real life, anyone who does any digging actually knows that while well, Mank did a lot, uh, Wells was doing constant rewrites as they were filming the actual movie. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this of course raises questions as to why they went in this direction. I know that, uh, I mean, the, the most obvious reason is that the movie was directed by David Fincher and it was based on a script that his late father, uh, Jason Fincher, I think, had uh, had just uh, had had written before he passed away. And it had been a passion project he had been, that uh, David Fincher had been working on for years. But why his father wrote it that way, it, I don't know if, if he had been influenced by the now debunked um, essay written by uh, Pauline Kael or... Uh, what other evidence he was into or if he just thought that the story sounded more interesting if he painted Mank as the underdog but um, but that's an example of how much Hollywood you know filmmakers can shift the story to untruth just to make it more Hollywoodified to make it more right. interesting um, so it's one of the now does that make it a bad movie not necessarily as long as you go in with the understanding this is just a movie. This is not what actually happened. So right. don't so don't take this as a, a history lesson. Now, on the other hand, you have movies like Raging Bull, which is you know one of the most famous biopics of all time, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci in the role that made him a household name, and mm-hmm. and uh, Kathy Moriarty, also her breakout role. Right. Um, that movie was actually based on the real Jake LaMotta's autobiography. Uh, De Niro read that biography, I think, eight years before they did the movie, and he had been begging his friend Marty to make that movie, even though Marty had no interest in boxing, and he only finally got him to do it after uh, Scorsese almost died from a cocaine overdose. And they decided, you know that giving him a new project to focus on would keep his mind off the drugs and help him put right. it, get his act together. And they decided, okay, how about that movie I've been begging you to do for eight years? Okay, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So to prepare for the role, and again, not, you know, going just briefly touching on our rants about method acting, not all method acting is bad. You know, it's when, you, when you don't make it other people's problem, it, mm-hmm. it's okay. So some of the things that De Niro did to prepare for that role really worked. He actually trained for a year with the real Jake LaMotta as a sparring partner and became so good that LaMotta tried to get him to quit acting and become a boxer full-time. Mm-hmm. So that gives you an idea. And uh, and they also filmed the movie more or less in chronological order. You know, After he had gotten in the best shape he could be in, they filmed all the fight scenes then by the time they finished filming the fight scenes, they did all the scenes where he was in between fights, out of you know, out of shape, you know, just you know, just talking, you know, getting you know, the relationships with his brother and his wife and everything. And then of course they, you know, for the last half of the movie when he was retired, they took a break and let him put on weight, you know, so that he could play the you know retired Lamada when he got a nightclub and became a stand-up comedian. Um, so it's. Um, from what I understand, it's much closer, although, again, some creative liberties were taken. Allegedly, the real LaMotta actually went to see the movie with his ex-wife mm-hmm. 
And uh, he looked when he saw the movie. He looked at his wife and he said, "Was I really that bad, honey? You was even worse." <laughs> and uh, and apparent supposedly, uh, this is one of the funniest parts of De Niro's Oscar acceptance speech. I want to thank Jake Lamada. I also want to thank Joey Lamada, even though he's suing us. <laughs> so I don't know what Joey Lamada's beef was like. If if he thought well, that it, that uh, he's. Like, I think with Joey Lamada, I think it was the whole thing of him saying that he had an affair with uh, Jake Lamada's ex-wife. Mm. Uh, or, but they didn't come right out and say it, but, but, but it, it, it was but heavily implied. Yes. But in uh, in the fact it was actually a, a friend of theirs that uh, he, uh, Jake Lamada beat up because he thought he was having an affair with uh, uh, his, okay. his, his ex-wife. But, uh, so that... That that could be the reason. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he wasn't paid what, or or he didn't get any rights or credits. That, that that's that's possible yeah. as well. Yeah. So that's an example of a movie. You know, again, you you should do your own research. But if you want the abridged version, I think that's an example of a biopic that, from what I understand, is much closer to what happened to in real life, right. telling the real story as more or less as it was. Gotcha. And uh, then, you know, uh, sticking with the boxing theme, then you have uh, uh, the movie uh, Cinderella Man with uh, Russell Crowe, mm-hmm. where uh, where they did a lot of historical accuracies, but uh, it, uh, the one thing that was uh, is most often talked about was the way Max Baer was uh, portrayed in that movie. Who's you know uh, his children family uh, tried to sue or bring down mm-hmm. the production because they didn't like the way their father was uh, betrayed. You know uh, Max Bear's son yeah. was an actor, uh, Max Bear Jr. who was on Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. Uh, he uh, uh, because they made him out to be like this Mr. T, Ivan Drago. You know, uh, who took pleasure in hurting people, and right. but you know, you you have to understand that they're trying to, you know, they want him to look as much of an underdog as yeah. they can. Uh, right. You know, he's he's older uh, than most fighters that get a shot at the title. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted to look like all the odds are against him going yeah. against this huge, mean, nasty bully. Uh, bully. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they. So uh, you know they you know if they say that he's going against the guy who walks little ladies across the street and yeah. visits children's hospitals. Right. He, it's, I mean... There, there's, no, there's no suspense and tension in the movie. Yeah. So right. so you have, so it's always a, this tight this tightrope act of how much do you stay true to what happened in real life versus how much do you follow the movie formula for suspense and tension, right. for, for glorification, yeah. for, for entertainment value. Now, like, it, it sounds like, and I, I'm, I'm right with you guys, I think the there there does we understand yeah why yes so i would personally say that i don't mind that yeah oh, i yeah. understand that a movie is a movie and if if yeah. to me personally if i want to learn more about this boxer mm-hmm. yeah. i'll go look him up do, 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 do your research you know uh, exactly see, see you know read his biography yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. so um, how how do you guys feel about those movies taking those artistic liberties, let's say, of enhancing a villain or enhancing the protagonist 
Um, naturally, I'm sure movies can go overboard in either direction, and it could be too much. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, I, um, there's one movie that comes to mind, which is Bessie. Queen Latifah plays Bessie Smith. Now, in that movie, um, it's Bessie Smith's whole life, right? Now, in reality, Bessie Smith died very tragically, okay? She was in a car accident, she was bleeding, and a white hospital wouldn't take her because she was black, and she died, just to be plain. Yeah. In the movie, she meets a guy and lives happily ever after. They don't include her real-life ending, and I sat back and said, okay, wait a minute. Let's, let's you know, I, I, I'm a seeker of the truth, but... Why? Why leave people on a bad mood? Yeah, you know, like, yeah. why? Why just? Why stick it to them right at the end? Yeah. yeah. If you're that interested, like me, mm-hmm. you'll go look and you'll 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 hear the unfortunate story of her death. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was a little bit of a fib. Yeah. To leave mm-hmm. it, they live. She meets a new guy. They live happily ever after. It's a little bit of a white lie. Mm-hmm. But you know that was I was okay with that white lie. For the sake of the film. Yeah. Oh, then you can get into the movie Ray with uh, Jamie Foxx about uh, Ray Charles, you know, mm-hmm. great African American uh, blind musician. Right. Uh, 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 for those of you music lovers out there, uh, uh, something you might find interesting is uh, Jamie Foxx actually really played the piano for uh, his uh, film role. He uh, uh, he went to school on a national. Uh, piano scholarship. So mm-hmm. when you see him playing the piano, that was really Jamie Foxx. Right. And, uh, and he did, you know, all kinds of method acting. He learned how to read Braille. Uh, he, I, th- I think he put thing like matter over his eyes. Uh, okay. You know, to, so he could have the uh, image of being blind. Right. And, uh, but uh, the, the singing, however, he uh, did lip sync uh, because... You know, who, you know, Jamie Foxx is a great, you know, he's a Grammy Award winning music artist. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, you know, he still, because he couldn't, he wanted to, it to be Ray Charles' voice. And, you know, uh, Ray Charles was still alive while they were making that movie. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, you know, adds to its authenticity. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, or makes it authentic. They, uh, and, uh, you know, but, you know, that ending. Uh, you know, it says, you know, he uh, never uh, touched heroin again. That's wonderful. That's great. You know, but it doesn't tell you that he still smoked marijuana. He still drank like a fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah, he never touched hard drugs again. You know, good for, you know, wonderful. You know, uh, you know, he still, you know, slept with anything in a skirt. Uh, I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not... Say and he he even said you know before you know you know being blind he you know he didn't think he had long to live so he said you know I I'll live my life however I want to you know if I want to do this I'll I'll do it you know but he said if he well knew he would have lived as long as he did he would have taken better care of himself okay uh, uh you know but you know again you know like you said with the the ending you know. Uh, he he kept his promise. He never touched heroin ever again. You know, great, wonderful. You know, but you know he wasn't completely clean, like mm-hmm. you know that, like you would you would think. 
I guess you can't ask for everything, but yeah. I, I think when it comes to where you where you draw the line with artistic liberties as to whether you're going too far or or you're within reason, a lot of it has to has to do with intention and how seriously the movie is received. Like if if the audience at large knows that it's just a movie, it'll probably be be fine and and you can probably get away with whatever you want. But if you're really trying, like actively trying to paint a different picture from what really happened, you could not only be offending the real people that the story is depicting, but you could also be sending a really bad message. And uh, one of the most infamous examples of that is uh, Green Book with Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. Um, When I saw that movie in the theater, I I thought it was... I thought it was an excellent film. I, I thought it was very funny. And I, I loved the chemistry between uh, Mortensen and Ali. But as this is an example of how hype can kill a movie. As soon as it got nominated for Best Picture, my interest in the movie plummeted. And when it won, I was hurt. Like, mm-hmm. it's a buddy comedy. It's not that good. Mm-hmm. And... And when I've, you know, since done more research, I've learned that that movie, you know, and the people, especially the the family of Mahershala Ali's character have dubbed the movie a symphony of lies. They said, you know, they they show him in the movie, they make it look like, you know, there's a scene when they're driving the car, when they're in the car and... uh, uh, Mortensen's character hands Ali, you know, fried chicken, which Ali's character claims he had never had before. And they're like, that is so... Like, they're trying to they're trying to paint this picture that the white guy is more worldly and more traveled and more knowledgeable about the way things work. Mm. Even down to the simple things like eating junk food like fried chicken with your hands as opposed to eating really fancy food with utensils. And it's like, you know... If if this, I would almost think if this wasn't based on a true story, I it wouldn't upset me that much. Or if they had left that in, but the movie didn't get so much Oscar hype, it might not bother me as much. But the fact that they it got nominated for Oscars and they, the studio obviously had to promote it in order for that to happen, and it won, leaves the impression they're trying to whitewash history and make it look like this is the story that ended racism <laughs> and this is all about you know how one white guy can change racism and how racism is just a product of a few bad apples there's nothing systemic about it and so on and that's the kind that's an example of where they go too far with artistic liberties mm-hmm. so that's you know if if they hadn't promoted it to the Oscars, if they had just made it as a you know, as a simple buddy comedy movie, and they said it's inspired by true events, but take it with a grain of salt. If you want to know what really happened, just do your research. Right. That would have been fine. Yeah. Or if they did try to tell the actual story and then promoted it to the Oscars, that would have been fine too. They tried to have it both ways. Mm-hmm. They tr- they half hearted it and pr- and promoted it to the Oscars. It's like no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, then you get into situations like The Greatest Showman. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, great musical, great, great music, great, uh, you know, family friendly, you know, uh, feel good movie. But that was nothing what P.T. Barnum was like. Right. He, he was the complete opposite of what the way Hugh Jackman played him. Or, uh, I mean, you know, uh, um, you know, again, you know, like, uh, 
great movie uh, music, but they they were not true at all to yeah. what P.T. Barnum was. He, uh, he he he's the man that coined the phrase "a sucker is born every minute." Yeah. What makes people all over America break down and cry like this? Call 1-900-9099-CRY and hear it for yourself. $2 for the first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. If you're under 18, ask your parents before you call. 1-900-9099-CRY. Uh, and, you know, they made it out like, oh, it was the papers that, you know, made, you know, that's who the man was. Uh... He, uh, I think he even went as far as he uh, paid tickets to have one of his uh, performers, well, when they passed away, they he sold tickets to her autopsy. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I, I, I can't, uh, you know, they, you know, the whole he had, had a, he was a, a loving father and husband. I mean, uh, he, uh, uh, I mean, look. The day after his wife died, he married his mistress. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, um, uh, you know, again, you know, it's a good movie to watch, but you know, then you hear, you know, I mean, I think that's you know common knowledge about P.T. Barnum. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, was that movie you know, like nominated for best picture? I know it won best song, but was it nominated for like best picture? Or best it was song? nominated for best song, but I don't think it won best song. Oh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. But and uh, Hugh Jack, it was nominated for a bunch of Golden Globes, but I I don't think it got best picture. Okay, all right. Now in that case, I'm I'm okay with that. I think more or less once. Because of the common knowledge, I think when that movie came out, people walked into that movie knowing it's inspired, but it's not the real thing. We're not here to take it seriously. We're just here to kick back and have a good time. Yeah, yeah. and that but that's that gray area is where things can go wrong. Yes, mm-hmm. and I'm not, you know, you know, you a person can go into that movie mm-hmm. and take it for take it for exactly what it is. Uh, my personal opinion, and I'll, I'll own this opinion, I won't put it on you guys, uh, is that the average movie moviegoer doesn't care to know the difference between inspired by a true story, yeah. true story, whatever verbiage they mm-hmm. put there, mm-hmm. it's just, oh, true story. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been guilty of it too. Oh, yeah. true story. Now, I was thinking about the movie Cadillac Records, mm-hmm. which was about chess records and um, the the Chess Brothers with Beyonce as Etta James, um, Muddy Waters. I don't remember the actor who played him. Most Def played Chuck Berry, and a hell of an actor played Holland Wolf. I don't know the man's name. Holland Wolf was a kind of a side role, but he played the hell out of it. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. there were two Chess Brothers, and in the movie, there's only one. Mm. Now, and it's played by. Um, Adrian Brody. Okay. Now, that's a pretty big thing. Like, the fact two brothers make a record label and it blows up. Mm. Like, that always was weird to me. Like, why'd you, like, why'd you limit the brother? Like, were, did you just not want to write for two brothers? Did you just, and knowing the real story, I could see that they just crammed both brothers into one guy. 
Uh, they just made one brother out of two. And they, they've been known to do that sometimes. Like, yeah. Uh, more often with villains, I think. Like, uh, okay. Or, you know, who's uh, uh, shown to be the villain. Like, uh, they'll... It's based on you know, three people who were against them, but we just rammed them into one awful person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, gotcha. that, that happens a lot, even in, in movies that are based on pure fiction. You know, like that... Like with the Shawshank Redemption, I think like there were multiple war. There, in the book, there were multiple wardens, but I think in the movie they just real, you know crammed it all into oh, one guy. Yeah, to, yeah. And uh, uh, then uh, uh, a, a movie that I saw. Uh, uh, it's uh, the you, you go back to the classics. Uh, 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 James Cagney and Yankee Doodle. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 with uh, uh, George M. Cohen. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, uh, a lot of people in the industry didn't want to do that, didn't want James Cagney, didn't want to play that character, didn't want to be involved with the movie mm-hmm. because they all knew George M. Cohen mm-hmm. and they hated him. Okay. Because he, he was, uh, he was very, you know, he had a swollen head. He was, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, because they thought he was a jerk. Right. And, uh, but, uh, and he, you know, then you find out, you know, you know, because in the movie he's, uh, you know, like he was an honest man, you know, he had a handshake, you know, agreement with his partner, mm-hmm. you know, then you find out that he, you know, manipulated things to get his theaters over a lot more than he did. Yeah, he was a, a patriot, he won the medal, you know, and, but he also piggybacked off a lot of other people's ideas. Yeah. Hmm. So you mentioned before about musicians, um, or actors playing musicians and, and actually playing the, the instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, another film I wanted to bring up on that title, on that theme, I mean, is um, Sweet and Low Down, mm-hmm. with Sean Penn playing a version of Django Reinhardt, and learned how to play intricate gypsy guitar mm-hmm. of, of the 20s and 30s. And I think we can go through even more biopics where they were about singers. Mm. And they would try to find an actor who could sing. And then every once in a while, they would just like do like overdubs, which I never, I was always able to pick out those. Mm. Like, this is always a little something Mm. that was off with an overdub. Yeah. Well, it's not just biopics, too. You go back to old musicals, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Oklahoma, uh, West Side Story, okay. Natalie Wood, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. beautiful. She could probably really sing, but... But she, she, I don't think she had the correct uh, range for, for the notes, so, so she was dubbed by Broadway singer uh, Marnie Nixon. Yes. Mar- mm-hmm. Marnie Nixon was like the go-to uh, soprano dubber for, for West Side Story, for The King and I, for Deborah Carr... And mm-hmm. for, uh, uh, oh, oh yeah, and for Audrey Hepburn in uh, My Fair Lady, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Uh, Oklahoma is uh, uh, Rod Rod Steiger. Uh, yeah, Rod. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, he uh, his I'm not sure who did the singing for him, but his uh, uh, voice was uh, done. You know, he had the right build for what they wanted the character to look like. It, you know, but you know, you know you. <laughs> 
that he, he opened his mouth and you hear like this operatic aria. I'm not saying, I'm sure Rob Seeger could you know sing, right. but he couldn't. I, I can't see him being a, a, a tenor. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, that, that that was one situation where it was a little outrageous. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, but, you know, that movie was 55. Like, okay. Uh, and uh, even uh, the movie uh, I recommended uh, on uh, one, of, one of the shows you had us on, uh, American Satan. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, all those... All the musicians really played their own instruments, you know, which is but the lead singer, uh, who's you know really you know again he can really sing. He's you know uh, from a uh, he has his own rock band, but they it his voice didn't match what the what they wanted, right. so he uh, lip synced. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. Uh, uh, and there are. Uh, 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 all kinds of you know, uh, situations like that, and you know, but uh, you know, like, but when an actor you know can really you know whether it's Ryan Gosling in La La Land really playing the piano, mm-hmm. Miles Teller and Whiplash uh, playing the drums, yeah. uh, I I I think that you know say what you you want about La La Land, but I I think you know. I, I think you know that you put you know you play the piano you sing you dance, I uh, that, that that's a lot of skill. Yes. You know, you know, and uh, you know, Miles telling you know I know J.K. Simmons in that movie Whiplash. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was a, a great movie. He did you know J.K. Simmons won his Oscar for that yeah. movie. Great performance, but I really think Miles Teller got the shaft in that movie. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, playing the drums until your hands bleed and so yeah, yeah you know, maybe I, I just think a lot of it because I can't play an instrument <laughs> but uh, I just uh, the whole you know and I've, I've talked to people who you know who are uh, musicians and they said yeah that's that's the, what you have to do to mm-hmm. you know you, uh, you know uh, you, you go through you know when you're playing the drums you go through uh, multiple sticks you, you're buying uh, drumsticks all the time mm-hmm. uh, well, I think it's also a bit of a throwback because there was a time when you had to be multi-talented. Uh, yeah, that's know, true. If we go back to the Marx Brothers, every one of them played an instrument yeah. and did their shtick. Yeah. You know, you know, so it was you know it was almost the norm. Like you almost had to be able to do more than one thing. Yeah, you couldn't just act. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was a time when like. You had to be able to be funny. You had to be able to dance. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you to, had to some you had, degree. You had to be able to do stage combat, especially fencing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Especially those old action movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, you go uh, uh, to the movie uh, uh, Chaplin with uh, Robert Downey Jr. I, okay. I, you know, uh, I know mo- everybody out there knows him as Iron Man. Or yeah. I am Iron Man. Uh, but you know, uh, 1990, I think that movie came out. You know, before he even touched, uh, Iron Man was even dreamed of. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, he was doing movies like that where he played Charlie Chaplin, and uh, I, uh, I, and that's one of those movies where I think they, you know, captured his life uh, pretty well. I mean, I, you know, I. I never read his biography, but 
I mean, they didn't shy away from, you know, the fact that he never slept with a woman under 20 years or over 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and that uh, J. Edgar Hoover was hunting him like like wild game through, you know, throughout his life and doing everything to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to throw him under the bus or, uh, oh. you know, or, or the... Uh, you know, or, or any other uh, scandal involved with him, and, and of course the controversy, you know, around some of his films like The Great Dictator and everything. Mm-hmm. So, let's also now let's go way off the beaten path and touch on biopics that could technically be biography or historical base, but go completely like absurd. And one that comes to mind, so like the recent. Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. So it's rooted in some sort of factual thing. There was a you know a troop of American soldiers who had that job. They were a little bit of renegades, so that existed. Hitler existed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so elements of that movie was factual, biographical, but then you know it goes in all sorts. Takes plenty of artistic license. Mm-hmm. Not even trying to. To paint it, you know, as a real story, and there there are a handful of those kind of movies as well. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think probably one of the most infamous examples would have been of, of that type of off the rail, based, inspired by history, but really has nothing to do with it. Is Mel Gibson's Braveheart? Mm-hmm. I yeah, think yeah. It very famously, you know, it has nothing to do with what actually happened. You know, in that movie, he makes. You know, you have Mel Gibson, who's you know, a guy of average height and build, playing William Wallace, and he makes it out like he's this very educated, multilingual scholar. In real life, he was supposed to be this nearly seven-foot giant who actually probably didn't speak, who was probably monolingual, mm-hmm. wasn't nearly as you know, sophisticated and, and clever as the movie made him out to be. And... They also in that movie they make the the Scots look like they're all underdogs and complete victims, whereas right. in real life they were at least as brutal as as the English. Right. Yeah. So, oh, and and, it, and the movie also makes it look like he uh, had an affair and impregnated the Queen of England, even though in real life she was she you know, she, she was she was only a child. Yeah, she was only a child. They never they never even that met. Stretch. Yeah. yeah. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, uh. uh Two films that when uh, you, you uh, uh, bring that up that come to mind are uh, uh, one's the movie uh, Cool Runnings uh, mm-hmm. with uh, John Candy. I, if you've never seen this movie, I highly recommend it. Uh, 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 it's a great uh, feel-good movie. Uh, uh, John Candy's performance in it is probably his most underrated of all time. He he gives one of the greatest performances of his career, uh, but it's just a fact. the The movie is not accurate. You know, there was a Jamaican bobsled team, yes, but uh, his character didn't even exist. His right. the person that he's uh, that there was no, you know, they had tons of coaches on for the Jamaican bobsled team, but mm-hmm. none of them were involved with any cheating scandal. Uh, and I mean, the American team, U.S. team, hadn't even won the gold medal s- since 1948, right. and, and you know until, until 2010. Right. Uh, uh, so there was so that part of it uh, didn't exist. You know, the Jamaican team 
didn't face any uh, racial uh, uh, prejudice uh, uh, when they went uh, went to uh, and the team uh, when they went to the Olympics and uh, the team uh, was not runners who uh, failed to make it to the Summer Olympics. This, the trials for the Summer Olympics hadn't even happened. Right. Those runners, all the members of the team were uh, members of the uh, Jamaican uh, military. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the uh, people who, uh, they, they were sprinters, but, right. uh, but they, uh, they, they weren't, uh, they hadn't, I'm sure they wanted to be on the Olympic team, but they uh, the coaches came to them and said, we want to compete in the uh, uh, bobsled for the Olympics. And, you know, they all said, hey, to compete in the Olympics, that's a great, yeah. uh, great honor. You know, uh, they, uh, they trained, and they originally were only going to compete in uh, the two-men sled. You know, okay. Because you have the four-man sled and the two-man sled. Yeah. They had, you know, two, uh, uh, two teammates in uh, uh, for the two-man sled. Then they got there and they said, "Hey, while we're here, we got four people. Let's do the four-man sled." Yeah. They, uh, they, uh, uh, and that's what ultimately caused their crash because they weren't, they hadn't trained with a four-man sled. You know, they, the movie makes it out to be a uh, there was a problem with the sled. Right. Uh, uh, I suppose actually just a problem with, you know, accidents can happen with those yeah. sleds real easy. The driver just made a false turn and, right. you know, uh, it just, and, you know, their heroic ending, you know, uh, you know, the, the applause, beautiful music, it was more like a, you know, dragging the sled and limping across right. the finish line. Right. And, uh, but uh, you know, in another movie, uh, is uh, you know that that's why you know I, that's you know very you know because Cool Runnings was made by Disney, mm-hmm. you know another one that's in that category that's very Disneyfied as they say, uh, the movie Remember the Titans. Yeah. Uh, you know another great movie, feel good movie. You know you know uh, overcoming adversity, you know uh, wonderful acting, but. Uh, you know, Denzel Washington, great performance, but, you know, it's just, you know, a fact, you know, everybody, you know, yeah, yeah, there, there was racial tension that go on, but with the team, it was competitive. It mm-hmm. was, you know, they were going, you know, and the tension between uh, uh, Herman Boone and the other coach on the team, it was, you know, uh, a pride thing. You know, the, the other coach... You know, he just had a winning season, just won the championship, and he's, you know, being tossed to the side. You know, uh, I mean, it, you know, it's a, a pride thing. You know, like, Luke, you know, say you were cast as the lead in a, a, a big show. And, yeah. You know, uh, you, you, you know, you learned your lines, you did your research, you, uh, and, uh, all and everything you have to do. You know, uh, and then uh, all of a sudden the director comes to you and says... You know, instead of, uh, we found out that another theater across the street is doing uh, the exact same show, and they're planning on doing it the exact same week we are, and instead of uh, competing with them, we're just going to combine together, make one super show, 
and we're going to have the lead in that show be the lead, and you're just going to be in the chorus. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but yeah, my, that would, that my would, pride would hurt me. It, it would hurt me too, yeah. That, yeah would, I, that would drive me nuts. Yeah, I, I'd be upset. I mean, that's and that's what the, that's what the, caused all the tension, all the players and coaches and that right. team. You know, um, and the, uh, you know, the, you know, but, you know, the, the racial thing was, uh, it may have existed, but it was, uh, it was mostly secondary. Right. But, and, you know, they made, uh, you know, and they added the, the daughter of the, of, uh, the one coach, you know, because, you know, Disney, you have to have kids. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, but really, you know, there was, it, it, he really had daughters, but, you know, they, they came to all the games, but, you know, she didn't, you know, coach or, you know, <laughs> tell the, tell the players, you know, hustle more. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, you know, they made it out like all the other teams they played were, were white. And uh, really, when the integration happened, that happened to all the schools in that area. Right. And all the other teams were, you know, all black and white. Hmm. Uh, uh, again, you know, I'm not great films. You know, feel-good films. Yeah. You know, you right. know, if you... Uh, you know, if you want, you watch them, you, you know, family friendly, you know, but accuracy, not so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, and that it goes right back to, you know, they're good movies, like you said, mm-hmm. but there is just, there's still things in there that, to appeal to the broadest of audiences, mm-hmm. and to the hook, you know, I feel like adding in a kid... Adding in tensions that weren't there yeah. is a hook, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, like uh, you know, going back to the whole uh, political uh, uh, films, you, you talk about the movie JFK. Uh, ba- basically, you know, people have to take that, you know, with a grain. And I, I don't even know if it says you know based on true story. Basically, that movie was just all the conspiracy theories just jammed into one movie. There, uh, whether they were. Uh, you know, uh, accurate or not, I don't know. But uh, it, they're all all those you know, the magic bullet, all this. In the uh, Tommy Lee Jones character mm-hmm. really existed. You know, uh, you know, same thing with Kevin Costner's character, and he uh, was Clay Shaw, I believe, uh, right. was put on tri- on trial by uh, uh, Kevin Costner's character, mm-hmm. but uh, but. It didn't last as long. It never went to a jury or a judge, and it because of a a, a witness uh, changed his testimony. Gotcha. I mean, it, it didn't. It wasn't dragged out as long as it appeared. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it, I think it, if it went to trial, it was briefly. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So on that note, let's let's start throwing some recommendations at the people. <laughs> um, Luke, why don't you start us off? Okay. Uh, I've got. Uh, two very different ones that I'll discuss very briefly. One is To Helen Beck, which is based on the autobiography by the most decorated soldier of all time, Audie Murphy, about his experiences in Europe during World War II. This is the exact opposite opposite of the -the off-the-rail history epics that we're used to getting, because 
the studio Universal desperately wanted to adapt the book into a film, which um, Murphy didn't want because he did not want it to glorify war. And even when he finally relented, he didn't want to play himself. He wanted you know, a better actor like Tony Curtis to play the part. And they said, no, we want the real thing. So they got him into it, but he only agreed to do it on the condition that they would tone down his heroic es exploits, most notably the uh, climatic shootout where he's on top of a downed tank using a 50 caliber machine gun to hold off an entire battalion of German troops. Mm -hmm. In real life, it apparently lasted for over an hour, whereas in the movie it only lasts like you know two minutes. Right. So it's the example of you know that movie is uh, is a very intriguing case of humility being dragged kicking and screaming onto its own depiction on screen and how the guy is trying not to glorify himself but the studio really wanted him to for the bottom line right. so and you get to see Audie Murphy playing himself in in one of the strangest ways you will ever see anybody play themselves like acting out their own trauma mm -hmm. in a movie that's not a documentary technically and the other one, tying back to our gold friend uh, Lon Chaney Sr., mm -hmm. uh, there is a biopic about Lon Chaney called Man of a Thousand Faces, starring James Cagney mm -hmm. in the part. came out in 1957, I believe. Um, takes a lot of creative liberties, adds some drama where there wasn't any and so mm -hmm. on, but it does show... It does go through his life as a live stage performer and, you know, his money troubles that forced him to get into movies, how he used his uh, makeup to stand out from the crowd and be, become a bigger star. Uh, his second marriage is, it touches briefly on his relationship with his son. Um, and, of course, the prejudices that he faced uh, throughout his life regarding uh, being the son of deaf parents. Mm -hmm. um, some of that drama, which may not have made, which may have been exaggerated for dramatic and entertainment purposes in the film, but is still nonetheless interesting. And mm -hmm. uh, James Cagney, who I'm just about convinced could do no wrong, is excellent as Lon Chaney. Nice. Beware, though. The movie does not do a good job <laughs> depicting Lon Chaney's makeup. The makeup in this biopic looks terrible <laughs> that would be a hard act to follow oh, yeah. yeah definitely yeah okay. all right i'm done okay <laughs> andrew what you got oh uh two that uh i'd like to touch on uh uh one was a hbo film made in 1998 uh it's about the rat pack uh, okay. uh frank sinatra sammy davis jr uh dean martin uh pierre lawford joey bishop uh uh, Ray Liotta, uh, Don Cheadle, Joe Mantegna. Uh, you know, it's a, a great look at the, uh, and, you know, how that group kind of came to be. It, it also gets into uh, 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 John F. Kennedy uh, and his, and uh, Frank Sinatra's influence on getting him elected uh, as president. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, uh, it, uh, you know, at a time where Frank Sinatra was trying to change his image, and, uh, you know, me being a fan of all those guys, you know, it gets into, you know, uh, you know, going back to what we said about the music, you know, you got to see, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. was really the breakout artist of the, of that whole group. You know, he was. Uh, he played his own instruments. He sang. Mm -hmm. He danced. 
Uh, he did gun tricks, comedy impressions. Uh, uh, then he had Dean Martin, who's just uh, 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 just a natural. He's just uh, so uh, gifted. You know, he, you know, kind of into his, you know, uh, you know where you could perceive him as lazy, but you know, you know to you know, every, you know all of us, you know. You know, regular actors, you know, who train and you know, you you know, he's just uh, a natural talent. You know, he he shows up, you know, right before they're about to film, and uh, he just nails everything perfectly. Uh, then you know the the whole relationship between uh, uh, Pierre Lawford and Frank Sinatra, and the making of Ocean's Eleven, and uh, you know what split them up, and uh, the the breakdown there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, then, uh, uh, my second pick, uh, it's not actually about, uh, actor or, or it's, a, but I consider it a biopic. It's called Fruitville Station. Uh, it was, uh, starring Michael B. Jordan. Uh, it's about, uh, Oscar Isaacs, who, uh, was murdered, uh, by, uh, uh a police officer. It kind of takes you on a trip through the day before his murder. Uh, it you know it starts off you know him you know taking his daughter to school, uh, you know him uh, uh, you know trying to get his job back, uh, his relationship with his girlfriend, mother of child, uh, you know to uh, you know his. Uh, eventual murder you know uh and uh that's one of those movies that you know it's it's uh tragic you know the person became i guess would you say infamous Mm -hmm. you know uh uh but uh it's uh uh it it was also a big uh competitor at sundance I, i think it won uh i think it was two it was in the uh, like 2010, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it won uh, the Sundance the Sundance Film Festival, and it was uh, and I may have said this already before, but it was Michael B. Jordan's first starring role in the film before Black Panther and mm-hmm. uh, Creed, Creed. And, yeah. and it's by the same director. Of Creed. Yes, yes, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my movie is one that has not been made, only talked about. I really want to see it happen, which is um, comedian Tracy Morgan has been expressing an interest in playing Louis Armstrong mm. in, uh, in a movie. And I will be no- the first person in line to see that one. I really like Tracy Morgan. Oh, yeah. And I love Louis Armstrong. And I think he would be perfect uh, for that role. For the role of Louis Armstrong, you'd be fantastic. Yeah, because our lives run parallel. I really believe this is a beautiful world. With all those with all those scams and drudgery and broken dreams, it's still a beautiful place to be. I yeah. really I think that there are very few um, comedic actors who can't kill it with drama. Mm-hmm. I think Tracy Morgan can definitely pull that role off and I I hope he does. Yeah, there there are so many uh, films out there that you know you wish will be made, but uh, you know they haven't gotten the green light for one reason or another. But yeah, so uh, I'm putting it out there uh, now. Uh, <laughs> well, you won't. Well, I'd like to see it too. We want it made. Yep. Yeah. yeah. 
You hear us, Hollywood? Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for doing another episode of Planet Shivers. Yep. It's always good to have you guys on. And yeah, cool runnings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, feel the rhythm, feel the ride. Get on up, it's bobsled time. <laughs> what a podcast, folks. I want to thank Luke and Andrew for coming on the show yet again. And I look forward to having them back on to talk more movies and maybe other stuff too. You never know. You could find this episode of the Planet Shivers podcast and a whole lot more, all the episodes really, on every major podcast platform and YouTube. You could find out more what I'm up to on Instagram at Albert Shivers and on Facebook, Albert Shivers. Keep your ears open and your eyes peeled for the new website. I'll keep everybody updated. And also don't forget to check out the Albert Shivers Patreon page and know that the podcast is now accepting tips through Cash App, dollar sign, Shivers Art is the handle to send the tips to if you feel like it. Honestly, I'm happy that you're just listening. Got a lot of good guests coming up, as I say, but I mean it. I'm not lying to you. Why would I lie to you? I love you guys. Why would I lie? Until next time, take care of yourself and take care of somebody else, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. Be well.